Hey, Tim. Hey, Dan. How you going? Pretty good. I've got a joke for you. Far away. US politics. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if this is going to be as funny as that, okay. but uh, that was it. quite good. Mm. Uh, this is actually from Quang. Okay. Former, former guest of the show, friend Shout of the podcast, mm. the Q Dog. Um, <laughs> why did the girl fall off the swing? Why? She had no arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of yours, like last it's inspired week. Inspired from yeah. the monkey. That's okay. why he said it to me. <laughs> he heard the one last week. She had no arms. She couldn't stay on the swing. She couldn't stay on the swing. Nah, that the takes a lot of abs, abs to do that. Yeah, you'd have to like wrap the chain around your leg or something. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good one. Let's go. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Hey Tim. Hello Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you. My name is Dan. Uh, your name is? I'm Tim. You're Tim and yeah. this is the Two Drunk Accountants. We are the Two Drunk What are we here to do today, Dan? We're here today, Tim, to dispel some more myths and mysteries around running a small business mm. and uh, we've got a good one today. This is a question that often gets Googled and often gets asked yeah. and uh, a service that we do provide that um, mm. not a lot of people might understand. They, they do come to us asking this question, but yeah. uh, it is, what's the value of your business? Yeah. What is my business worth? What is your business worth? Yeah. And it's something that business owners, I think, underrate mm. when they are in business. Absolutely. Um, because... When you're self-employed, you're often perhaps not putting money towards your own super or your retirement. Um, and the nest egg you're building should be your business. You should always be working on your business to sell it one day. Exactly. You're actually building an asset, not just an income. That's right. Yeah. So, often you forego a little bit of income actually from mm. what you could earn mm. in the open market as an employee. Yeah. But as an employee, you're not building something with value that you can sell. Mm. The trick is... To build it in a way that you can sell it. So, we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss that. And what your business could be worth. If you didn't understand that, a good analogy might be that um, as an employee of someone else's businesses, uh, consider it like you're earning rent, right? Yep. You get paid rent, um, but a self-employed person owns the building and earns rent. Yeah, <laughs> So, exactly. the value of the building goes up and they've earned income along the way and when they mm. sell it, they've made a gain. That's saying, the idea. Are you saying they earn rent on their... On their employees' bodies, on yes, themselves? yes, correct. I earn rent <laughs> on my body, <laughs> and the value of that goes up depending on whether or not I hit the gym. Technically, our business yeah. is pimping us out. Pimping us out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two drunk pimps. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh, so we'll get into that a bit later. Um, but first, Tim, what, what is, is the Tim, Tim and Dunno? Um, my voice is back, so I can go to the high yeah, note, nice. and I figured you'd been and a bit ill this look, week. I like it when you go to the high note, Dan. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, Tim, how's your week been? It's been another week of sickness. The sickness. The sickness. Uh, I, got, I think I got a food poisoning. Mm. So, that was gross. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm back. I'm back now. Lost a little bit more weight. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, what about you, Dan? What's cracking? Um, no food poisoning for me, which was good. Um, I, I worked. I um, started watching that SAS. You watched ah, that? I heard about it. Mm. Um, didn't some guy punch a girl on the <laughs> I feel comments? Like, I feel like... The honey badger? Yeah, the honey badger... Yeah, he he beat up somebody, but I, I feel like there? it was it was a little bit overblown. Really? Um, she is an AFLW player. Oh, is that um Aaron Phillips? No, no. Oh, okay, different AFLW. Yeah, different AFLW player. Yeah. She's an a- AFLW player. She wasn't on Survivor. No, 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 no not her, not no, her, not her. Um, and she's quite fit and quite strong and. Okay. She had to choose someone out of the lineup to take on, and she chose she the chose honey badger. The honey badger, and 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 basically the instructors were like, "You've got to fight!" Like this wow. is it. And so, and you can tell he was throwing punches, but he Not wasn't like throwing that. punches as hard as he, I think he could have. But yeah. he was definitely throwing decent punches. Yeah, and he got he landed a few. Yeah, but she chose him. And was what was he meant to do? Opponents, she could have chosen. Oh, absolutely! There was like so she intentionally chose. The she chose guy. the hardest guy there. Why? Just to prove herself. Yeah. Well, did it work? Do you think? Or? He beat her, but she, she, she didn't lose she, any. Respect. She didn't lose any respect. She gained a lot of respect. What's the whole show about? I don't freaking get it. Uh, it's just putting them through like SAS training. So right. like essentially the selection process that they take. Mm-hmm. People in the so army through to, to go into the SAS. So it's recruitment. It's recruitment, basically. basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I'm sure it's sponsored by the Defence Force. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, join the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even at Niage. Yeah, even at Niage. <laughs> uh, uh, any unrelated note? I have joined the Navy. Um, <laughs> Uh, nice. No, but that, that's my week. I haven't really been doing too much. Just been um, completed another puzzle. That was yeah, my uh, life's full of thrills <laughs> lately. Full of thrills. Uh, How's your injuries, you old man? So much. I think that is why my, I've been just sitting around. <laughs> it's better. It's not completely better. I can't push up yet, uh, and I can't. Like that's an improvement. Rotate, but still, like, look at this. You're still playing ping pong left-handed. Still playing ping pong left-handed. Still, mm. I beat I beat Jai yesterday left-handed. Wow. Um, I've it's almost beat Mikey left-handed. Wow. My left hand is improving. It's decent effort. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's That's been my week. Um, Tim, do you have a business update? I have one. Just the, Why aren't you far away? Yeah, it's it's basically just the joke I had at the start. It's It was the US election mm. um, yesterday and, and ongoing today. Yeah. And at the moment, it looks like it's a pretty solid chance Biden is going to get in. Um, yeah. But... Not by the margin that everyone was predicting. No, I mean it was. It's it's very close. Mm. Although Biden has almost flipped, which is the the terminology, mm. I believe. I'm up with the lingo. Yeah, he's almost flipped a couple of the traditional Republican states, like Texas. Texas. He almost won Texas. If I look at the little map, oh, no, I don't have that here, but but yeah, he almost flipped Texas. And Florida has been very and close. Florida was close. Florida Florida has snip snapped. <laughs> it has uh, a lot over the years, um, but yeah, Texas right. hasn't. He did flip Arizona, yeah, which which is a traditional red one, and that's essentially why, without winning Florida and probably not Pennsylvania, and it depends what the postal mm. votes say, um, without winning those ones, he still might win because he flipped Arizona yeah. unexpectedly. Crazy. Anyway, it's just a crazy, crazy place, <laughs> yeah. and and so the markets have reacted up and down over the past couple of days, depending on. It's funny they keep they seem to go up when they think Trump's winning and they go down when Biden's winning. I think that's just because companies look at tax cuts and things yeah. and and it's strange. I don't yeah. know. It's just 
people just re- respond to things in weird ways. Mm. So who knows? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? That other thing that's affecting the markets was uh, China banning some Australian exports. Yeah, so this is a bigger thing for our listeners is that, yeah, China just seems to be putting some unofficial mm. bans on on imports from Australia over a number of industries, including, for some reason, yeah. lobsters, uh, wine. Uh, timber. Timber, sugar. Um, yeah, barley. Barley, copper. Very strange. Very strange. They, so, they banned imported timber from Queensland and barley shipments from another Australian grain exporter on Friday with copper and sugar to follow this week. But they're not overtly doing it. No, and they're not talking to our government about it. Mm. So we've they've apparently been reaching out and they just kind of give vague statements and mm. and it's it's a few billion dollar hit to our economy. A lot of people are saying that this is because we've spoken out recently a bit against their handling of the beginning of the coronavirus mm. or, and and yeah. other human rights stuff that they're basically saying you guys need to get in line. Yeah. Um, so here's a bit of economic pressure for you. Yeah. And I don't respond well to pressure. No, no. When you're China, you don't. And so it looked like the the they've got like um, on this website I'm looking at here. There's like a China Australia trade conflict dating back to February. Timeline, yeah. The Australian Dumping Commission assesses a possible continuation of dumping duties on Chinese aluminium extrusions. Mm. Um, and there's just random stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so it seems to be ramping up. I, I don't know what the end outcome of that's going to be. Um, I know that to counter that risk, Australia has been actively seeking further trade deals with uh, India and Japan and yeah. and other countries in the region just so we can start exporting more to those people instead. Yeah. So if I think diversifying our trade is a good idea yeah. anyway. It just sucks for those um, people in business in those industries right now. Well, yeah, well, there's, I, I was needs to move. Yeah, I was listening to a thing, and there's there's literally like whole shipments of live lobsters mm. just sitting there in the dock, um, and Crazy. now there's all these fishermen who are out there still catching stuff yeah. and just don't know at what price they can sell their goods for. You know, one thing I never eat what lobster. I never eat lobster either. Why is there not more? If we're catching that much lobster, why don't we sell it domestically? I think it's just is expensive, no and people don't buy it. Yeah, so but maybe so there's about it, to be a big dump could, of it. Yeah, could yeah. they like? Could they start selling lobster? You can buy it. Like, there is occasion. Like, if you go to a seafood place, there's, there's lobster sitting there on the ice. Yeah. I wonder how many they sell. I think people just think of it as a luxury. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Mm, interesting. Weird. Anyway, so that is something to watch if you're an exporter to China. Mm. Um, something fascinating to yeah. watch there. Uh, the other thing is there's been a... The EATO have announced they've clawed back $120 million in JobKeeper. So, um, and this is mainly, it seems like what they've done has stopped um, future payments, but they have another mm. 100 million of JobKeeper under review. So, um, yeah. So, this is where they've found someone who was ineligible and chopped off their future claims. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's uh, of the $69 billion that has since been paid out since JobKeeper began in late March, 120 million has now been clawed back. So that Which is, is really actually, not a large percentage, I guess. No, it's, it's not a large, but that's still a lot of money. So yeah. uh, they've said here, we generally only claw back where there has been a deliberate or reckless mistake. Yeah. Um, if there was an honest mistake in good faith, they just stop um, it. Yeah. Then, then, yeah, when no one has financially benefited, then they've made the decision to let those go. Yeah. Um, but they can't get the future claims. So we, we have seen some of that happening as well. Yeah. And, and I believe that's kind of the ATO putting out mixed messages and some people... Uh, enrolling 
following ATO rules that were mm. put out there, yeah. the ATO changing their mind on those rules. So, or, or just yeah, uncertainty on on how you actually review something, and then they yeah. apply, and then the ATO go, actually no, we've decided this is the rule, yeah. definitely, and then okay, fair enough, yeah. stop the payments, but yeah. I'm not paying you back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's an interesting one. Very yes. interesting one. Yes. So there's going to be possibly, there's definitely going to be focus areas for JobKeeper 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they've made it all around the Baz turnover, I believe it's just so much easier for them to just see what's, yeah. what's really happening. They can clearly just go, okay, well, that Baz wasn't 30% less than that one. Yeah. So how did you apply? Exactly right. Yeah. And... And yeah, if the December baz is like double the September baz, then yeah. then what's what's happening here? So so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's gonna. This is not the last we've, we're going to hear about this. There's going to be way more happening in nah. this space. Absolutely, that's a good update. Thanks, Tim. Uh, do you have a tight ass tip? I do. I've got a good one this week, Dan. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, if you like golf. And, <laughs> and you're under 30, you're going to love this one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize, Dan, mm-hmm. golf clubs yep. want to attract young members. Yep. So, if you're under 30, 30 or under, you can often get an annual golf membership for 50% of the price or thereabouts. Yep. So, under 30, get a golf membership. That is my tight-ass tip. So, I'd like to make a quick amendment to this. Uh, if you're under 30 and want... To join a golf club, get it before you're 30. Yeah, well, I mean, you could get it in the year that you're turning 30. It just depends on the, the timing yeah. of that. Yeah. So, But I, I'm just saying it's not a tight-ass tip to join a golf club if you don't want to play golf. That's oh, wasting no. money. Not at so all. So, the amendment is if you want to play golf, yeah, join before. I think I said if you like yeah. golf. Yeah. But, but um, the thing is, you will definitely save money. So if you're if you're mm. playing golf once a week, yeah, and you get a fifty percent golf membership, yeah, it's great. which could be five to seven hundred dollars depending on the club. Mm. I don't know it's more expensive in say Sydney, mm. um, but you you will save money because uh, I think eighteen holes is generally about fifty bucks. Mm. So do the math on that, Dan. If you play once a week, yeah, it's a lot, Tim. Jeez, it's a lot. It's like Buy two, a jingo, two and a half grand. Yeah. Wow, that's I tell you what, that's yeah. a big saving that we just provided our listeners. Yeah, right now. Um, Tadas tips. How, how much have you been playing recently? Uh, when was the last time you played uh, eighteen holes? I didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't often play eighteen, Dan. I don't have the stamina for it. Yeah, I know. I did the eighty k challenge, but golf's a different story. It's fast twitch. Yeah, fast twitch muscle fibers. Okay. Yeah, just just checking to see if the math stacked up. I play like. N- Six to nine holes very regularly. Mm. So, yeah, good. even that is about $25. And it's so flexible for me now because I'm a member. I yeah. can just walk on. I don't yeah. really have to book. I don't have to go to the clubhouse and pay. That's good. I don't have to feel bad about it. No. Are you meant to actually book? You probably are meant to book. Yeah. But it's at the end of the day. I was going to say, I don't think you are meant to just walk on at any point because they do have an order. But but at the end of the day when... when it's yeah, the end of the day. Yeah, it's you just jump on. Yeah. They're generally close. And you so don't feel weird about it. Don't feel weird about it at all. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's a good tight-ass tip if you're into golf. Which a lot of people are, Dan. It's a COVID sport. Yeah, it is. It is the sport of COVID. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's head into our main topic. What is my business worth? Yeah. So, 
So, Dan, we do get this question from people sometimes. Yeah. And generally, they only think about it when they're ready to sell. Yeah. But you should ask yourself this all the time. You should be building that asset, as we said at the beginning. So, mm. this should be a long-term strategy. If your long-term strategy is to have a business that you run for a number of years and then sell it for retirement, then you need to be thinking about the value of that business well before mm. you're looking to sell. Yeah. Um, so... And a very basic, simple answer to how much is my business worth, the correct and 100% verifiable figure that is correct every single time, Tim. This is, and everyone listen, every single time this works. This is the way this to is, know how much your business is this worth. This is how much your business is worth every single time. <laughs> what someone is willing to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> very true, Dan, yeah. because... There is no active marketplace mm. for businesses. There, like there is. There's there brokers is. You can, and there's You can find what other businesses, but mm. no two businesses are the same. Yeah. And it's not like real estate where you can yep. see what other houses in the same area have sold for within the last few months. Yeah. It's very hard to have your finger on the pulse. Yeah. So it really does come down to finding someone who's interested and finding out how much they are willing or able to pay for yeah. your business. And that is what it's going to be worth because that's what you're going to sell it for. So, I'm just looking on Gumtree here. Uh, the Bado Bay Post Office is for sale. Wow, that's interesting. $550,000. Oh, that is massive. Uh, an Asian restaurant in Gosford, 50000 Cafe in West Gosford, 65000 Okay. Um, a lot of hospitality businesses. This is there. just Gumtree in the local area. There's a stack of them. I know there's a local bar for sale in our area, Dan. There is a we, local bar. We considered looking at. <laughs> there is a local bar for sale that we thought about. Uh, a pizza restaurant awesome. in Tawoon Bay, $85,000. So, I want to know how they valued that. Mm. But, but basically, a business is worth what you're willing to pay. Because I would guarantee yeah. that if we went into those figures and valued it in any of the methods that we're discussing... They might not be worth what that's what, what people people right. often overvalue their own business. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. um, often, and I often tell this to to clients or to, to to potential clients who are thinking about buying a business, the person who is who is selling the business thinks it's worth more than what it is. The person who's buying the business thinks it's worth less. Absolutely. Than what it is. Yeah. Um, and in the in the end of the day, um, you just have to find a mark that is going to work for both parties. Yeah. You have to compromise. So, so yeah, your business is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Yeah, 100% guaranteed method of valuing your business. <laughs> yeah, that is the yeah. that is the 100% right value of your business. But, however, there are other ways to value it that can yeah. give you a bit of a rough guide. Yeah, and, and it's always, you know, in any negotiation, you need to have a starting point. You need to know what you think it is actually worth um, to be said, because if... if you and the seller are both uninformed and you don't know, then what someone's willing to pay for it might be much less than what it's actually worth. Mm. Um, so, there are methods and we're going to go through a few options on how to actually value your business. Mm. The very first thing you need to know though before you do this is what are you actually selling? Mm. There's more than one way to sell a business. Yeah. Now, most people get confused between are they selling the business mm. and the assets required to run that business or are they selling their company? Yeah. Because they're two very different things. Massively different things. Yeah. And um, it's going to have different implications for um, the legal aspects of the purchase. Yeah, absolutely. And who pays tax on the sale? Absolutely. So, if you're selling your business and, and you sell shares, yeah. it's going to be very different to if you sell the business than just 
um, selling it in the company. Yeah. So basically, a, a rough idea is the person who holds that asset that you're selling pays the tax on it. So if you are a company um, and you sell just the business's assets, then the company pays tax on the sale of that company. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, on the sale of that business. If yep. you are an individual who owns shares in a company and you sell those shares, then you as an individual pay tax on the sale of the shares. Yep. They're very different things. Um, and it also depends on what assets actually then go with the person. So yep. if you're selling the shares in a company, the company's liabilities, the company's cash, the company's debtors, all the company stuff goes with it. Everything in the company. Everything. So you yeah. could be buying someone's dirty laundry, yep. potentially. Exactly. Uh, which is why it's a it's an irregular thing to see. Yeah. You don't often see someone selling their company, their company yeah. unless they're bringing in partners. Yeah. So, for example, Dan and I purchasing a share of Cat's Accountants. Correct. That's That was us buying shares in the company. Yeah. And that's a really logical way to do it when it's a succession plan. Correct. Yeah. If, you, if you've got an external party that you don't know, then it's very unlikely that you're going to just hand over the keys to your company. No, because they messy. don't want... As Tim said, your dirty laundry to come with it. Um, also, there's cash, there's debtors, there's things that you might want to keep. Yeah. So, selling the business often means that you're not selling the cash in the bank account, you're not selling people who owe you money, yep. and you're not selling any loans or debt you have. Yep. What you're selling is the business structure, the systems, the IP, the actual assets involved in producing income. Yeah. Um, and the ability to use the name and all that. So you're selling the business, but not the things around the business. I think this this question is also pertinent. So that's that's the practical element of like, what are you selling? Yeah. But I think it's also pertinent around um, like, what is it of value that you are selling yeah. in the business as well? Is it just the assets? Is it the branding and goodwill? Is it mm. the customers? Yeah. Is it the the so these are the sorts of things that are going to feed into the valuation methods for your business, which exactly. is where we'll get into now. Yeah, because if, if you have um, a bunch of intangible assets that this business holds, such as just significant place in the community and um, you know things like that, that, mm. that aren't on the balance sheet and aren't reflected as much in the profit, then the way you value that business is going to be different and the method you want to choose is going to be different. Yep. Um, so let's go through a few of the options first. So the, the, the easiest way and not often the best way, but, but a way is to value the business based on the assets in the business. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what's a good example here? So, let's say you're selling a, um, uh, let's say a cafe. A cafe. Yeah, sure. A cafe. So, a cafe is going to have um, a kitchen, um, potentially a coffee machine, yep. fridge. Fridges, tables, um, chairs. Tables, fit out. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's going to have a a lot of things in there which mm. are worth money yeah. that they've paid for to set up yep. and they're going to get their money back. And and then the other part of that, you might want to add in a few of those untangible assets and try and give them a, you know, it might have a really yep. good brand name and a yeah. standing in the community or something. So, you might add some value to that asset yep. into the business. But essentially, you're just adding up the market value. So, mm. not the book value, but the market value mm. of those assets, what, some, what you could individually sell yep. each item for yep. right now. Yeah. Um, Add that all together and that could be the value of the business. Now, this is only really a good thing to do if one, you were extremely asset heavy. So, let's say you're a machinery business or something. You, know, you have a lot of yep. plant and equipment in this business. Um, but also, if your profit is fairly low because the other valuation methods are often based on profit. 
So yep. if your profit is low and we do a calculation and we get a valuation that ends up being less than the value of the actual assets in the business, mm. then it's obviously, it makes more sense to sell the business for the value of the assets. Yep. Agreed. And that takes us to our next valuation method, which is the future attainable profits. Yeah. And so this is the method that we will usually use. So when we're yeah. valuing a business for a client, we will often use the future maintainable profit yep. as an indication of the value of the business. Now, that doesn't mean just whatever we think the profit value is, is the value. There's a calculation involved. But essentially, the steps involved are we look at the past three years of profit, mm-hmm. we review within arm's length transactions. So we take out, you know, exorbitant wages to a director and put yep. in something that a manager would normally, you know, at arm's length should be paid. Yep. We might remove a vehicle that really probably shouldn't be used in the business. Maybe it's more private. Exactly. So we, you know, we, we take out those expenses and mm. um, we might add in, oh, sorry, we, we might remove some interest in things for loans that might not be necessary. Anyway, you, you end up with a, with a, a profit figure that is adjusted, if adjusted for owner's expenses and things and, and is reflects the actual business's operating profit. Often you add back things even like depreciation and interest as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So you end up with a figure um, for the past three years and you look at those three years and you say, did anything interesting happen in those three years? Good example. This year with COVID. COVID. So yeah. <laughs> let's say you were selling Qantas yeah. um, and you were using this method then you would put it probably a lower... Well, you could go one of two ways. You could put a higher weighting on this year because this is the way things may be mm. for years to come. So you might think we're going to weight 2020 financial year 90% mm. of what we think the future maintainable profits are. Yeah. In the previous two years, it'll be 5 percentage, and or vice yeah. versa. And so the things that affect this would be what the future outlook looks like so mm. if you've had a gangbuster year and you think that's going to continue to be the case yeah. and it's much bigger than the last two years before it then you put more weight on the current year yep. if you think the next years will be less then you might put more weight on previous years to give a, a real reflection of what an actual maintainable profit figure looks like for the next you know foreseeable future yep. so that's the idea we've come up with a business operating profit figure based on the past three years that looks like I could make that profit each year going forward. So let's just say you had in 2020, 2019, 2018, you had 10 grand, 20 grand and 30 grand profit. And you were going to weight them evenly. Evenly, yeah. So you're going to end up with a maintainable profit of 20,000 probably. Correct, yeah. 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 An average of the three. If you decided to weight one more or less, then it's going to be higher or lower based on um, which one you weight. Yeah. But, but yeah, you can see how that is definitely a valid way of valuing a business yeah. because essentially when you're buying an asset, you're looking at the return on that investment. Yeah, that's right. So the other part of this is what weight, like what risk rating that business has. Yeah, so, so what we do at that point is once we've got a figure, we apply what's called a, a capitalization rate to it. And essentially this is just a, a rate that factors in, you know, if you invested the same amount of money in a risk-free government bond, what's the return on that? Yep. Wh- you know, what is the risk factors of this business? And yep. the higher the risk, the less value this business has. Yeah. So, for example, um, interest on savings in bank at the moment is two mm. percent. That's your ret- <laughs> that's yeah. your risk risk-free factor. item. Yeah. yeah. There's no there's no risk on that. So the return is very low. Whereas um, there is a lot more risk in buying a business. Yeah. So you need that return correspondingly to be higher. Yeah. And so depending on the business, let's say, again, you're buying a business in tourism. Yeah. 
um, there's going to be a lot more risk in that. So you might even say, I need 50% return on this investment yeah. to warrant this risk. Yeah. Um, or if you're buying something that's more stable, more steady, maybe it's a tech business at the mm. moment, you might only need 20% return on that investment. Yeah. So generally, this this rate falls somewhere between 20 and 30%. Yep. That, that, you know, on, on average, that's roughly where it kind of sits. Um, now, based on that maintainable profit of $20,000, if you did a 30% rate, the the business might be worth around sixty five grand. Yeah, cool. Because what you do is you just divide that maintainable profit by the rate. Yep. So twenty grand divided by zero point three equals I think it's sixty six thousand roughly. Um, if it was twenty percent, then I think it's more like eighty thousand dollars the business worth. So as you can see, the lower the risk, yep. the greater the value of that business because yep. you can you're requiring less return. Yeah, so because it's it's more you're assuming that you're going to be able to maintain that profit for a longer period. That's right. Exactly yep. right. Yep. Yep. Spot on. There's less risk of that not being the return. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that one in a nutshell. Really. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound complicated, but um, and and that is also why your figures in your financials are important each year. So yep. people who are doing cashies sometimes come back and they're like, I want to add that to my adjusted profit for so those years. And I was like, mm, I don't know if you really can now. I mean, is it, oh, you, you can't because yeah. there's no way of proving that. Exactly. I mean, people try to. Yeah. And this is the thing. And then people still buy those businesses based on someone saying, yeah, I do 20 grand of cashies per year. Yeah. But you can't bank on that. You can't bank on that. So you've got to convince someone mm. um, to trust you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be, uh, me, I wouldn't be trusting mm. someone on that. So a much simpler version of the same thing is the return on investment. Is the return on investment. Yeah. So essentially, this is a very similar method, yep. except rather than you know figuring out a maintainable profit figure and dividing it by a capitalization rate, essentially, you're figuring out what return on your investment do you want yep. and you times it by that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, um, so let's just say your investment is 500 grand. Yep. Um, then you'd be like, well, I want to have this paid off in three years. Mm. That would then tell you that you have uh, roughly 33% mm. return on investment target. Yep. Um, which means you, you would need to be able to achieve a profit of um, 33% of 500 grand per yep. annum, yep. essentially. And if it's not going to fulfill that, um, then that may not be a worthwhile investment for you. Yep. So, so if, if you're looking to... Yeah, exactly right. And so you can literally just get the profit, times yep. it by a rate yep. and see what that figure looks so like. So you can do a kind of a simple self-check yep. um, of that uh, maintainable profits yep. valuation that is sort of the accountant's method. Yep. You can work backwards from that. Yeah, absolutely. And you could say, well, that's the asking price. Here's the, the profit from last year yep. that they're telling me. Anyway. I don't know if I can trust that, but yep. there, there's the profit. Um, and I want to get 50% return on investment. Yeah. Will this fit that? Yeah, exactly. So, if <laughs> so you could literally just go 500,000 times 50% is 250,000. If the profit isn't 250,000, then yeah. you're not... If they made 20 grand last yeah. year, well, it might not be worth 500 grand. Exactly. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that one. Uh, another one that's commonly used in is a percentage of turnover or profit. So... This is a very different valuation method to the two that we just described because the two that we just described are based on a profit figure. And that's, so that's a maintainable return on your assets in the business, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What this one is, is a percentage of the recurring revenue. And, now, and that's the only circumstance that I'd really use this yeah. because it's common in service industries where there might be a book of so accountants, financial yeah. planners, mortgage brokers. Yeah. 
that valuation method is very common because for those industries, income recurs each, you know, reoccurs each year. It's more predictable. Yeah. So if you've got a million dollars worth of revenue that happens each year because people have to get the taxes done each year, Mm. um, you know, and there's obviously drop off and increase and that natural turnover in in that. But let's just say it's a maintainable revenue amount of a million dollars a year. Then you can just times that by a percentage and often... It depends on the risk of losing clients with that. So, Mm. if it's a very, very maintainable amount, Mm. sometimes it's even times by more than 100%. Yeah. So, so the idea here, and people have probably heard of this before, if there's a, uh, let's just say an accounting firm with a million dollars of turnover, Mm. um, then you might sell it for a dollar for dollar in the in the turnover so so therefore you'd be trying to sell um the business for a million dollars basically because that's the turnover figure yeah if it's less reliable there's less systems um the clients are Mm. really only want to see the old owner yeah then you might you might might go less you might go 70 cents in the dollar correct in which Um, case you're selling it for seven hundred thousand dollars yeah um if it's extremely systemized and there's even greater potential to grow it then you might be selling it for you know a dollar 20 on the dollar That's <laughs> which right. means you're selling it for 1.2 million dollars yep um and it, it, yeah. it kind of makes sense when you when you describe it as they're buying fees yeah correct so you're buying those fees yeah which is why um it's valued based on the fees correct so that kind of makes sense yeah um and there's also like some businesses then do a similar thing but with profit yeah so um and this could be actually any business type when you're mm. looking at profit um, so sometimes you hear a business with no systems and no returning um, income or recurring income is one times profit. Yeah. A business with highly systemized, with brands, uh, with re- recurring income could be three times profit. Yeah. And that's, that is a very common way to, like I hear so many people come in and go, oh, my business is worth three times my profit I make. <laughs> yeah. So they go, okay, well, I made 20 grand's profit. My business is worth 60%. Yeah. Whereas if we figured out that the maintainable profit was 20 grand and it's a low risk business, then really your business might be worth 80 grand. It could be worth more. So you've undervalued your it business. It could be worth four times. Or it could be worth less. So well, we know three times profit is 33% risk factor. Yeah, exactly. Um, and have you adjusted your profit for the, yeah. for the owner related items? Yeah. So, so this this is where having a few different valuation methods is actually is, is very handy. Correct, and and you don't, you know, it's not just about choosing the one that'll give you the highest value because it's generally going to be the dollar for each dollar of sales. But mm. no one's going to be worth uh, willing to buy that if you don't have that guaranteed recurring book of fees yeah. that happen. Yeah. So, um, the different methods happen in different industries and different types of businesses um but yeah a very common one is let's just go three times my profit that's what my business is worth but that's not going to give you the most accurate figure no it's not um so so yeah there's a bit of a rundown uh depends on like dan said your industry and business Mm. type um so how could you possibly look at increasing the value of your business then this could perhaps be a whole another podcast yeah really. i think so so well basically the the, the items that we've discussed are yep. based on maintainable profits yep. or based on the assets in your business yeah so you should increase the assets in your business mm. or your profit make sure the assets you've yeah. got a good list of them it's not rocket science <laughs> yeah so if you have a good yeah. list of your assets and you know their market value some people mm. have a warehouse full of stuff yeah and they just can't bring themselves 
the time or the effort mm. to actually go and count what that's worth. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to lose out because of that. Yeah, because, absolutely. Um, either A, it can't be trusted or B, it's it's there sitting there rotting mm. um, and losing value. Yeah. So maintain your assets, maintain your stock. Yeah. Um, finding the right buyer is an important one Absolutely. Well. So yeah. the right person um, has the right motivation, the right skills, mm-hmm. and they have enough money to buy your business. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no good selling to someone who doesn't um, have money to buy your business yeah. because uh, you can do vendor finance, which means you're essentially loaning them uh, money for them to purchase your business immediately. So yeah. they can jump in, they take the keys and they owe you for whatever the purchase price is, but it's risky for you. Mm. It's a risky move. So another thing that people might not consider is they can often, and, and a lot of this is, is adjusted when we add back tax depreciation versus accounting depreciation mm. and, and, and when we do within arm's length transactions and, and fixing those up um, is there's a conflict between Set, trying to lower your profit for tax purposes and no, then like increasing it. the value of your business. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, there is a conflict there. So, definitely, definitely. if you are thinking that, all right, I'm going to sell my business in the next three years, then it probably makes more sense to sacrifice a little bit of your tax planning yep. to increase the value of the business. So, definitely. that would be, I don't, I don't know, it, it could be you know pushing purchases back to when you don't need to do them or it yep. could be, um, you know, making sure you're doing all of your invoicing as soon as possible. Yep. And um, these kind of things are going to increase your profit year to year. The thing is though, I mean, people generally, the mistake they make is they only do this in the last year before they want to sell. Yeah, So, exactly. the, the two years prior to that, you can clearly see that it's different. So, um, so yeah, you, you just want to have that growth mentality um, for the long term. And Correct, unfortunately, yeah. that does come with paying a little bit of tax, but more income... Um, pays for more tax. Yeah, and always and, what we say, and that's something that we strongly believe in is that you should always, you know, work on your tax minimization strategies that you can do. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if you've done all that and you're making more profit, you have grown a better asset. Yeah, for sure. The value of what you've grown and the and the income that you've received, just by the fact that tax is a percentage of of, of profit. You're yep. always better off. <laughs> if you can choose to have yeah. a dollar and lose 30, 30 cents of that yeah. or not have a dollar and not pay the 30 yeah. cents, Get what a would dollar. you choose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I, I think um, that there's often a negative mentality around there about making more profit, but the more you do, the better you are always. For sure. So, so increase your profit whenever you can. Um, and then, yeah, there's just other value things which you just really need to just think about. You, you need to think about how you're going to market your business and pitch it to people mm-hmm. because if you can be smart about that if you can mm. really sell them the, the way you've invested in systems or yeah. that it's not reliant on you as the owner and that's that's another big part is that you need to systemize you need to create a structure and you need to not be the you know the linchpin redundancy is, yep. is what it's called you can't be the person that the entire business relies on which okay. is why when an accounting firm calls themselves Osborne and Garth accountants and Osborne and Garth want to sell mm. um People think, where's Osborne and Garth gone? Yeah. Why am I here? Um, OG accounting. Exactly. So, <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> That's good. We're changing our name. Um, OG accounting. So, I think, I think, you know, having an idea of your end goal when you start as best as possible, things change, but having an idea of what your end goal is and, and keeping that long-term plan, which is yeah. why a business plan is important, yeah. constantly reviewing what your plan is, what you yeah. want. Mm. Um, that's going to 
enable you to grow your business and grow the value of that business. Yep. Always be growing your business to sell. It's yeah. essentially going to be how you're going to increase. OBG. Yeah. Always be growing. <laughs> <laughs> so, we may even do another podcast on how to grow the value of your yeah. business to sell. I think uh, so. I've put that on my list here. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that that is... That is to figure out what your business is worth. You can yep. um, really, it's whatever someone's willing to pay, um, but it depends on what you're selling. Yep. And then there's several different valuation methods, which are the net assets, uh, future maintainable profits, yep. return on investment, which is required, a percentage of turnover or profit, and it depends on your industry and business type. Yep, absolutely. So it really depends, but it's whatever someone is willing to pay you and whatever you're willing to sell for. Correct. That's right. That's great. All right. Well, I think that's the end of our main topic. Uh, Tim, I have another thing. Do you have another thing? I do this yeah. week. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my other thing. Go for it. Um, so, as a lot of Australians are aware, a bulk of our um, media outlets are owned by essentially the one company. <laughs> Is this Rupert? Yes. This is about Rupert? Yes, Rupert. So I heard some, some, a few roar about him recently and I, I'm not really sure what it's about. So, I'm so it's like, to hear about I've this. forgotten the percentage, but let's just say it's 70% of our media is owned by him. That's crazy. Which, which means that 70% of our media is right-leaning and that's why the front pages are always Labor Sucks on basically every one of our major city newspapers. Wow. Right? Um, so recently, good old blast from the past, Kevin Rudd, um, started a petition yeah, right. to get the laws changed that one company can't own so much of our media, which I think is a good thing. Um, that yeah, I agree. Uh, I think diversifying the media is 100%, great. 100%, um, 100%, yeah. Anyway, so we started this petition. Heaps of people signed it. Yeah. The Batuta Advocate started coming out with this series of um, posts about how the Liberal Party kept finding Kevin Rudd was responsible for the worst things happening. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like it. Kevin Rudd spotted on S, uh, like CCTV footage in Wuhan in February, or like <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Rudd found um, oh responsible for this other thing. Or Is this, this other- because there was uh, some leak about Kevin Rudd being with um, um, Alan, uh, that guy, Alan Efrad, Ep- 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 the guy who's basically he died, he killed himself in America. Oh, Epstein. Epstein. Right. Alan Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeff Epstein, Je- Jeff, yeah. Jeff Epstein. Um, yeah, th- I heard recently about, oh, why was Kevin Rudd in the same room as Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, right. I would not be surprised if that was some media leak. Probably. Yeah, so so that's what a lot of these, I think the Batuta was sense. ripping this off. Yeah, and that so that makes sense. Uh, the one I saw the other day was Kevin Rudd fa- um, caught on camera tripping over that horse that had to be euthanized <laughs> in the <laughs> Melbourne Cup. <laughs> Van Dyke or Van yeah, Dyke or so it was just they're just constantly posting like, oh, Liberal Party fine, or like the media finds that Kevin Rudd was doing this, or my God, yeah, as as payback. Pretty hey, funny. on that topic, have you watched the movie Bombshell? Yes, I have. And Rupert Murdoch and and, and the Fox, boys, yeah, the Murdoch yeah. boys are yeah. in that, and uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. I mean. They paint an interesting picture around the Murdochs mm. and the power they wield. And it's funny that, you know, you hear all this stuff about Fox News and how it's like basically like a cult. Like if, if you're a right-wing Republican, basically that's all you get your news from there and yeah. they just they put out a lot of disinformation and, and uh, there is legitimate arms of, of the network. But, mm. but um, and then you think, well, 70% of our media is, is owned by the same people. <laughs> it makes you go, oh, that it's is crazy. a bit of a problem. It's, cra- it's crazy. It's a <laughs> yeah. worry. Mm. Yeah, so. Anyway, that was my other thing. I just wanted to I give like a shout it, out to Petuto Advocate for being funny. I like it, Dan. Mm. I like it a lot. 
my other thing mm. is media related. There's a lot of media around this at the moment. Mm. AFL Trade Week started yesterday. Right. So, well, well, it's more than a week these days. I think it's like nine days. We'll be hearing a podcast about this. Yeah, we really, we mm. really need to find time. Between my illnesses, I have not had time mm. to uh, sit down with the Foz. The Foz. And, and Blossom. The Foz and Blossom. Yeah, so Gartho, the Foz and Blossom haven't had time to record mm. episode one, the redo. Yeah. Because Dan deleted. R-E-D-U-X. Inadvertently. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, there's some crazy stuff happening. And as an Essendon fan. Um, Did I actually saw a post... And maybe we can tackle this on the show, but I saw a, a post about someone famous, or there was a big news about someone wanting to go to Essendon or moving to Essendon. Yeah, so, I mean, I started this this whole free agency and trade period mm. with, with at a low ebb mm. because um, a lot of our- you're good, an Essendon supporter. Yeah, <laughs> it's meant to be the best time of year for us <laughs> but uh, because we're no good on the field. But mm. off the field, we generally go okay. Um, and so- yeah, we were losing, in, in a surprise move, we are losing one of our best players mm. and two of our other players who had so much potential three years ago mm. and have now decided to leave because mm. they've just been injured. Mm. Now, these three guys um, were really a big part of what our club was planning around for the future. Yeah, okay. Um, so, it was pretty, pretty annoying and upsetting at the time as a Bombers fan. Mm. But then, you turn the page and it's like, well, hold on. To fresh slate. We, we, yeah, we've been paying two of those guys mm. so much money to not even play football mm. um, and not even get on the park. Yet we're still going okay. Like we made finals in one year, we got we mm. got smashed, and this year we didn't make finals. But we started the year really well without them yep. in the team. Yeah. So so the third guy that we've lost, Adam Saad. I mean that's that's upsetting, but we can replace him. Mm. So so really now we're starting to chase players i'm filled with positivity again this is what this this time of year is all about so (laughs) so we should definitely record then there's there's rumors and innuendo happening Mm. that essendon are chasing in your endo (laughs) in your endo um and yeah it's just uh i hope we get a couple on basically because it could actually change our club in a very good way so we're losing two players that haven't played we could replace them with two players that will play and be on the same salary yeah that's good. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that's a good other thing. I'm looking forward to the chat on the Too Drunk Footy show. Yeah, Too Drunk Footy. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Get in touch with us at Too Drunk Accountants on all the socials, at Too Drunk Podcast at gmail.com. So, no at at the beginning, Too Drunk Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a message, rate, subscribe, review, helps people find us. Um, send through your questions, send through your comments. We love hearing from everybody. Um, I'm going to reinstate that if you add us on Instagram, I will write to you. Should we change it up? So it's traditionally I've done one thing I like about you, one thing I don't like about you. Um, have you another idea? Should we, should we vary this? Hmm. Well, I'm still waiting for you to knit that crocheted scarf. We haven't run the competition for that though. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, didn't we decide that somebody who wins one of the drunkies, the scarf yeah, drunkie? Okay. Yeah. All right, there's a scarf drunkie. So... Um, for the moment, I'll keep it to one thing I like about you, one thing I don't like about you. How about, um, yeah, how about if they if they follow us, yeah. you give them one prediction for their future? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. Like a fortune. Yeah. All right. So, if you want a too drunk fortune. Yeah. If you want a, a too drunk fortune cookie. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. I might even backdate this and just go back to yeah. the last few you know, uh, last week or so of people like who have it. added us and just start to... Uh, so, what you can do is just to, just call it, just say, too drunk fortune cookie and do a colon. 
Yeah. And then just and just go and into just it. I'm going to add a prediction. Now yep. these aren't going to be very you know lame like oh I see money in your future. No, I'm going to get specific. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe they'll come true. You might maybe. be right on the mark. I think I will be. I am a bit of a fortune teller, Tim. <laughs> All on right. the messages, actually, I had a I had a good feedback from uh, Alex, who um, actually inadvertently went to school with us. I don't know if you knew Alex, but um, he really liked the Div Seven A episode. So right. good to get some good feedback. Nice. Yeah, then. Cool. Yeah, he said it really helped him. Nice. That's good. I'm so glad. It's all. it's a complex topic, so it is. Um, yeah, there's much more to talk about with that. So eventually, we'll get back to part two of Div Seven A. Oh, is there a part two? Yeah, I think we'll go into some UPE stuff. And, oh, yeah, geez, it's com- uh, but I think I want to get a tax lawyer on to talk yeah. about it. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll chat to everybody soon. And if you have um, any comments, as I said, write in, and I'll um, I'll give you a prediction for the future. All right. Thanks, everybody. Calculator. So, yeah.